Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I have to admit it is with a heavy heart I do today's show. I coach my son's nine-year-old baseball team, nine- and ten-year-old baseball team, and our season came to an end last night in our tournament. But you know what? Fun times all the way around and a uh, really good season and nowhere else you'd rather be than on the baseball field on a beautiful spring night. So I know many of you are doing the same kind of thing uh, right now. So hope you're enjoying all of that. And we certainly appreciate you being with us here today for Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Let me begin this way today. One of the things we've talked a lot about uh, over the course of this offseason is the seemingly growing narrative that it's now or never for George when it comes to winning a national championship. It's national championship or bust, put up or shut up, whatever else you uh, you, want to say about that. And I think that we have done a pretty good job on this show of kind of walking through the ways in which that that's not quite accurate for Georgia here this year. The championship window does not close whether Georgia wins the national championship this season or not. That's not that, that's not quite the way uh, that goes down. It's going to extend well beyond this. However, that is not to say there isn't a little bit of growing pressure on Georgia to step up and to, to, to do more. Kirby Smart made that phrase famous you know, a couple of years ago, and the idea that Georgia wants to do more in that regard right now, it's not unfair to say that, even if this isn't quite championship or bust for UGA this year. With that in mind, I thought it was very interesting that CBS Sports, in their collection of riders, they do this every year. I like lists. The off-season time of year is a good time for lists, and all that's really fun. And in their list, they've now put out of the top coaches in college football. Kirby Smart comes in with a lofty ranking at number seven. That's pretty high compared to the 130 coaches that coach college football, but it is lower than he was a year ago. And in the midst of explaining why Smart is seventh on this list and not higher, CBS kind of gives you some pretty stern words about the way their collection of riders, Tom Fornelli is the guy that's collecting all these words, but it's the rest of the team there kind of weighing in on all this. The um the the writers there at CBS kind of give you some pretty stern words about how at least this pocket this aspect of the national media how they kind of view Kirby Smart. Let me show you this on the screen here when it comes to uh, what CBS says about uh, George and the fact they have Smart ranked seventh as their you know top coach in college football. But Tom Fornelli says we're starting to see our voters reach the point where Kirby Smart needs to show them more. He says you can only be a title contender for so long without winning one before patience wears thin. That's Tom Fornelli saying patience is wearing thin with Kirby Smart. Time for him to show us more. Time for him to kind of take that next step towards getting back to college football playoff or or winning the national championship, whatever that kind of next step is sort of viewed to be for Kirby Smart. And I don't think it's unfair to say, okay, now it's time to do a little bit more. There was a little bit of program regression, you know, over the course of the last couple of years. As we've kind of cited before, Georgia went from being in the playoff to, you know, losing close in the SEC championship game to losing kind of, you know, blowout fashion in the SEC championship game in 2019 to not even making the title game last year. That's that's the wrong progression that you want to be on when it comes to that for Georgia. I don't think it's wrong to acknowledge that in 2021, given all that Georgia seems to have going for 
for it right now, that it needs to be better than that this year. It needs to be more than that this year. It's time to do that. Now, I would say it's not pastime and it's not, you know, championship or bus, windows about to close. It's just simply time. It's just simply time for that to happen. Georgia to have a better season this year than it has had the uh, last couple of years. I don't think many Georgia fans would think it's unfair for CBS to say that either. That there's a little bit of restlessness for Georgia. This is well-earned restlessness over the number, you know, a number of decades leading up to this, but it is time for Georgia to be better this year than it's been the last couple of years. However, what I don't like, and I think this is something else that I think the Georgia fans will agree with me on, using a list like this decided as some sort of example of Kirby Smart being lesser as a coach than maybe other Georgia fans want to believe him to be. This is the thing that I think a lot of media and a lot of non-Georgia fans simply get wrong about Kirby, this idea of somehow he's deficient as a coach or somehow he hasn't proven himself over the course of his first, what, six years, I guess, as a head coach there at UGA, the fact that he hasn't, you know, done more, I guess we're going into the sixth year or whatever, but the fact that he hasn't done more than he has, somehow that's some sort of blight against his resume. And the truth is, the CBS list that I just cited in his example of is as much proof as you need for exactly what Kirby Smart has done as Georgia coach going back to uh, 2016. If you look at Smart's ranking on this list, only at number seven, I think you can make a case that's actually too low for Smart. He ought to be higher on this list. If for no other reason than the fact that Smart's got four head to head wins against guys who are ranked ahead of him. Jimbo Fisher's a spot just above him at number six. Jimbo does have a college football national championship, so maybe that's the, the reason why he gets that nod over Kirby, but Smart has the head-to-head -head win over Jimbo going back 2019. Brian Kelly comes on this list at number five. The CBS writers fall all over themselves to praise uh, Brian Kelly, but the fact of the matter is Kirby Smart beat Kelly twice just in the last few years. Beat him in Athens in 2019, went into his own stadium uh, up there in South Bend, took the place over, painted it red, and walked out of there with a win You know, back in 2017 there as well. The idea that you would rank Brian Kelly ahead of Kirby Smart on a list like this, I honestly don't know how you get there, given the fact that Notre Dame's claim to fame or college football playoff appearances built on the back of a bunch of wins against nondescript, you know, uh, you know, unimpressive, uh, unimpressive foes, but when matched up against the very best teams in the country, teams that come from the SEC or, or teams that have a similar level of talent, the Fighting Irish never show up. Kelly's ranking on a list like this is built almost exclusively on the back of the, you know, the the meager schedule that a team like Notre Dame collects its wins against. Then you talk about Lincoln Riley at number three on this list. Media types just love Lincoln Riley because he scores a bunch of points and he gives a bunch of quotes and, you know, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like that. But we saw these two guys head to head. You know, Lincoln Riley had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Baker Mayfield. Lincoln Riley had the big halftime lead. But the brilliant coach, number three on the CBS list, could not hold that halftime lead against Kirby Smart in the Rose Bowl at the end of the 2017 season. Smart got that head to head win. The only, I guess, you know, knock on Kirby Smart on and the basis of this is the fact that he has lost three times to Nick Saban. But if we're only judging coaches as, as successful compared to what they've done against Nick Saban, then there are a lot of coaches in college football who are going to end up being lacking on a uh, list like that. I mean, all told, if I'm doing the math right in my head, 
If you look at the top 10 coaches in college football, the other nine other than Smart, with Dan Mullen coming in at number 10 on this list, Smart's record against the top 10 coaches, according to CBS Sports, is actually 7-4 and four head-to-head, and that's for a guy who's only been a head coach since 2016. Now, I'm not telling you that's enough, and I'm not telling you that Georgia fans ought to be satisfied with that alone, but I am going to tell you that's a pretty good start for a head coach at this you know, point in his tenure as a uh, head coach, and I would say the best is still yet to come. The CBS folks would say, well, okay, well, it's time for some of that stuff to start happening in 2021. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. But the fact that so much has happened for Smart, you know, beating Dan Mullen three times, winning a Rose Bowl against Lincoln Riley, being in multiple SEC championships, having an SEC championship to call his own, making the college football playoff, I would say that's enough evidence for me to believe that Smart could well be well on his way to satisfying those critics who are tapping their watch and saying, when's the next big moment going to come for Georgia? I understand where that impatience comes from, but I've seen enough from Smart to lead me to believe he's going to deliver on that eventually. All right, so let me shift gears here and talk about something completely different for a moment because I thought we had a really interesting day yesterday on SEC Country Live. Every Wednesday, 3 p.m. on the SEC Country video channels, SEC Country on Facebook, SEC Country Live on YouTube. Always a uh, fun time there. And we had, speaking of CBS Sports, we had Chip Patterson from CBS Sports on the uh, show yesterday. We're talking about the Georgia-Clemson game. And... Chip had two very interesting, although in some respects different things to say about this game. And I think it adds to the conversation that we've been having here on this program for uh, quite some time about why it is going to be so big. However, one of the things that Chip Patterson from CBS Sports said on SEC Country Live yesterday, which I think is kind of interesting, is that actually maybe if you're the loser of this game, that there's actually a way that you can come out of a game like this, season opener versus uh, for if you're Clemson playing Georgia or Georgia playing Clemson, even stronger than you otherwise would have been. This is an interesting point of view about what happens to the other team in this Georgia-Clemson game. Here is Chip Patterson from CBS Sports. I can't wait, and I, I'll tell you this. There's an interesting proposal on the table. I was not the one who started it, but I, I do think that it is something to consider is you take the loser of Clemson, Georgia, and you pick them to win the national championship. And you do it for two reasons. And number one, it's going to be the best price that you're ever possibly going to get on whoever loses. And number two, there is a motivational edge that you're going to get where Clemson, for example, is going to be huge favorites in every game they play. Georgia, in most games they play, not all. And all of a sudden, the sense of urgency is just ratcheted up. Now, you could exhaust yourself, and it could end up backfiring, but there's something to be said about the way that it sharpens your focus. I think that's interesting what Patterson says there. However, I have to admit, I don't completely agree with that. I've said before that I think it's a misnomer that the loser of this game is still just as much of a national championship contender as they were before, as Chip says, maybe the team that you ought to bet on because of the price that you'll get on the heels of that. You know, for Georgia, we've seen what happens when you're a fifth-best team in the country, SEC runner-up. You have a tendency to get left out of the college football playoff. Texas A&M also dealt with that a you know, year ago, you know, left out of the college football playoff. That you want to bolster your resume for the playoff before you get there if you play in the rugged SEC. And for Clemson, who we've seen in the playoff year after year after year, the fact of the matter is if they were to su- suffer another loss to Georgia after not looking great last year's college football playoff, you start to wonder if the reputation that Dabo Swinney's established for that Clemson program, you start to wonder, does that start to erode a little bit? And all of a sudden, just winning the ACC alone, as meager as that is, 
All of a sudden, that's not enough to make people believe you are, you know, top dog, bull of the woods type stuff anymore. And in fact, the the person who maybe proves that point as much as anything is something else that Chip Patterson said yesterday on SEC Country Live, that if you want to make the comparison to, you know, what Georgia Clemson reminds you of to start the season, that it's a lot like another season opener we saw just a couple of years ago. And we all now know and remember what happened to the loser there in that game. Don't disregard what happens to the loser in this game. In fact, the recent past maybe kind of proves that to you. Chip Patterson once again. The first thing that comes to mind is uh, Alabama, Florida State, one versus three mm-hmm. going into it in the preseason. And it's so funny because it ruined Florida State. Like, I think that game, I mean, I, like, obviously you lose your starting quarterback to injury in that game. Like, all the, like, everything changed for the Seminoles. But, you know, we had just watched Clemson take the throne from Florida State in 2015. Uh, fall short against Alabama, but with that ridiculous Deshaun performance in that game. And we came into the next season thinking, that, all right, that was cool, Clemson. That was cute. But Florida State, it's time to take the title back. And they're going to make a run at Alabama. And they're going to get a crack at them. And will we see it again in the college football playoff? And then that is the end of Florida State's run. It's that game right there. So I'm not uh, hoping – that the loser of Georgia Clemson ends up having their entire run broken, but it can be dramatic when, uh, when some of these top programs clash. It is easy to forget how on top of the college football world Florida State was. The aforementioned Jimbo Fisher, the uh, coach there at the time, 2013 national champions, a team in the first college football playoff of 2014, and then getting ready to play Alabama a couple of years after that to open the season. DeAndre Francois is your quarterback. Going to think you're going to be, you know, right there alongside Clemson near the top of the uh, of the ACC, and yet you get beat up by Alabama. You lose Francois to injury, and the Seminoles have not been the same since then. It's very easy to, to uh, forget just how quickly all of that changed for Florida State around that time. And obviously I would not suggest that's a possibility for Georgia here, nor would I probably suggest it's a possibility for Clemson. But I think it does remind you that the stakes are actually higher than some people think for this Georgia-Clemson game, that the loser of the game doesn't just shake it off and marches its way on to the college football playoff as a 12-1 type team. College football is not as easy to predict as that, that, that you give up all your margin for error when you lose a game like this for that season. In the case of Florida State from a couple of years ago against Alabama, you also kind of lose some of the prestige that kind of keeps your program afloat. So make no mistake about it. When these two teams clash, as hyped a you know regular season opener as, as we've seen in a good number of years and along the list of you know greatest season openers of all time, make no mistake about it, there's a lot on the line for both teams. The winner has a lot to gain. The loser, unfortunately, has a, a lot to lose, and it's one of the things that makes college football so much fun to watch. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio at Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref Podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Really glad to have you with us. Big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible, your source for Georgia divorce. Here's what that means. If you know divorce is the next step for you, you've tried to avoid it, you maybe tried to kind of you know, work your way around it, but now it is just unmistakable that the thing that you need to make the next season, the next chapter of your life happier and better is that divorce process, then please put smart people to work for you to help you take those steps, make the right steps, make the right decisions, 
fully weigh all the choices and options that are available to you, that is what Meriwether and Tharp uh, can do for you. As I said, that next season of your life can be made better by how you handle things in this season right now. So trust Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia Divorce. You can find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. You can set up that initial converse, uh, consultation, which is a conversation. You can set all that up, and they can kind of explain everything, walk you through it. And then you make the decision to put them to work for you, and they will do good work along the way to making you whole again, whether it be you know, relationship with family, children, finances, all the things that you have to consider in a situation like this. They can do all that for you. Your source for Georgia Divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. My friends at Meriwether and Tharp. All right, let's go around the doghouse here for a moment today before we talk to Terrence Edwards in just a couple of minutes' time, the great former Georgia wide receiver. Looking forward to being able to do that. Very interesting last night on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger. Now, before I kind of let you hear what happened, let me kind of set this up a little bit this way. When four-star wide receiver Denana Morissette announced his commitment to UGA a couple of weeks ago, one of the guys who jumped in there on social media in the comments section to celebrate that was the very impressive five-star, call him a defensive end, you call him linebacker, whatever you want to call him, uh, you know, Jeremiah Alexander out of the state of Alabama, one of the top players in the country, uh, obviously, for this upcoming class. And Alexander was very happy for Denala Morissette. In fact, this is what he said in the comments section to what Morissette put out there on Instagram. Can we show the Jeremiah like Alexander thing here? Uh, very interesting saying that basically wherever Denala, yeah, there you go. Wherever he's going to go, I'm going to go, says uh, Jeremiah Alexander there on social media on the event of Denial and Morissette announcing his commitment to Georgia. So if you're a Georgia fan, you see that. Not only are you getting a very good receiver in Morissette, you've got this guy Alexander saying, you know, I'm going to follow this guy on to the University of Georgia. Now listen, we've been around the block a few times around here. We know a lot of times these kinds of things have a way of sounding good when these recruits are going through the recruiting process, but sometimes these friendships don't quite you know, lead to the kind of package deal type stuff that sometimes we kind of wish that it was. But it was interesting last night when Denial and Morissette made an appearance with Jeff Sintel on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger. That statement right there of Alexander saying, I'm going to go wherever Denial and Morissette's going to go. Morissette sounded last night like he very much believes Alexander and takes him at his word. In fact, this is what Morissette said about that. Oh, yes, sir. Where does that come from? I mean, how do you how are you linked up with that kid in Alabama? Man, it's just, we got connections everywhere. We've been top players know each other. That's all I can say. Just top players around the country know each other. And uh, we're going to pull them in, though, for sure. Do you th- oh, do you think Georgia has a chance with him and why? Oh, yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Me and him, we we be on the phone, so I definitely do. I can't say why. I won't tell his business, but I definitely do. Um, what kind of addition would he be to the class if he did choose Georgia? Oh, um, if he if he do choose Georgia, we'll stay number one class. So I hope he does. Yeah, that'd be awesome, and I like the idea of staying the number one class. I also like the phrase that Morissette uses there of top players know each other. That's one of the things I think we've all come to understand here over the course of these last few years, that group texts and social media chatter and everything like that, these guys do. They connect with each other, and they do have relationships. Even guys like Alexander, who else from the state of Alabama, Morissette obviously from Georgia, you know, they, you still get to know each other. You still develop those connections. And obviously, you know, Georgia has leaned on other recruits to help recruit other guys a lot in recent years. Alexander would be a gigantic pull, one of the top players in the country at any position. 
uh, out of Alabaster, Alabama there. And Alan Morissette seems to think his friendship, his relationship with Alexander gives Eugene an inside track on that. Uh, that's a nice thing to think about there, and it's fun to hear Morissette recruiting as hard as he is for UGA. That is Around the Doghouse. Terrence Edwards coming up here in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you about what's going to go down for us tomorrow. Now, we're sold out, so for those of you who are going to be there with us, can't wait to enjoy our Dog Nation Days of Summer event at the Terrapin Tap Room that afternoon. Then we start at 4 p.m., doors open anyway, uh, enjoying some dinner, some Terrapin beers, and then rolling right into that Braves game against the Pirates tomorrow night. First of all, uh, how about last night, you know, Ronald Acuna Jr., thrilling walk-off win for him. You love the, uh, you know, the, 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 the gestures he gives after he hits that home run. That's great stuff to see, and it's going to be a great time tomorrow. Our Dog Nation Days of Summer event. So many of you have said, I can't wait for to see Dog Nation get back together. This is the first of many of those for us. We're going to do this tomorrow, and then we got some fun announcements for those of you who could not quite get in on our Dog Nation Days of Summer event for tomorrow. Trust me when I tell you, especially as you start heading towards September 4th, we got some big stuff on the horizon to announce and tell you all about. So we'll look forward to doing that. And a big thanks to Atlanta Braves for all the hospitality they've shown us as we get ready to do Dog Nation Days of Summer at the Battery Atlanta and Truist Park tomorrow. Terrapin Tap Room, Braves, Pirates, Alumni Weekend. Great, great time all the way around there around Truist Park with the Atlanta Braves. Good stuff there. Can't wait for that. All right. There is a lot still to do on today's program. Long list of SEC news I want to cover before the show is done. But for now, on everything else happening around UGA, including some of the stuff that Mike Griffith told us about yesterday, but a really pretty fun offseason workout situation going on, let's talk to our great friend, the great former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always a great pleasure to get a chance to talk to uh, Terrence Edwards. Really good stuff from him every time we get a chance to chat. And, of course, the guy that follows this program closely knows the scene around college football very well also. Terrence, thanks for being back on the program today, and I hope that you are doing well. I am doing well. Thanks, B.A., for having me. Hey, let me ask you this real quick before we kind of get into anything else. We were just he- hearing some uh, audio from uh, Denalyn Morris said a moment ago, the four-star wide receiver of the UGA commit. Uh, how well do you know Denalyn? Have you seen his game? What can you tell us about Morris said as a player? Put up big numbers last year at Brookwood High School. He's actually made the transfer over to North Cobb, another you know good program here, another prolific offense. They'll have a chance to kind of shine in. Uh, what do you think about Morris said as a player? Oh, I think he's fantastic. Um, I've watched him grow uh, when he was first at Marietta as a freshman with Jermaine and Eric, that whole crew. So I've watched his game develop and grow over the years. And one of the things that I can say about him, and I don't use this word loosely, he is a straight dog on that field. Like He plays with a defensive mentality. He plays with a attitude. Uh, he plays with a chip that's, that's very controllable. But he makes plays um, at the end of the day, so I love his game. I've heard some people almost make that comparison to a guy like, say, Kiaris Jackson, another physical-type receiver who you can almost see playing a different position. Not to say that Kiaris is not a very good receiver, but he's kind of got that, you know, a little bit of extra, you know, edge to him that you could say, well, he can almost play a couple different positions. You know, Morissette seems to remind some people of that a little bit, too. Is, is that something you would also say that maybe kind of cut from that same mold of uh, of Kiaris Jackson a little bit? Yes, in the in – the- and the sixth up, he's tough. Uh, Kiaris Jackson is. Uh, I'm a little biased on Kiaris because we are from that Middle Georgia area, go. and though, and I just believe that Middle Georgia area just breeds breeds tough football players. But uh, Denylon is one of those guys that he's tough. 
And, uh, I mean, you can hit him. He's going to get back up, and he's going to talk to you until you hit him again. Uh, he's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit bigger than uh, Kiaris and probably a little bit more straight-line speed. But games are very similar. So when you're coaching with these receivers, and you work with a lot of receivers, obviously, and, you know, that, that willingness to, you know, take contact, especially going across the middle, and obviously the slot receiver position has become – a spot in the SEC where, you know, a lot of yards are there to be gained. You know, you see big-time play from slot receivers now, but you do have to have that willingness for contact. You've got to be okay with that. Is there a way that, that coaches can coach that into players, or is that the kind of thing you're either born with or you're not? So, there's two parts there. Back 10 years ago, and I don't want to call myself the old man on the porch right now, but <laughs> you had to worry about the contact that we had to worry about when I played, and that's not that long ago. But nowadays, man, with the uh, the contact and getting, uh, you can't hit above the head, you got a certain space. Yeah, a lot of the guys don't worry about that anymore because they know uh, they're, they're, they are protected. So yeah. they don't have to worry about a guy coming down like I did and getting smacked going across the middle. Now I don't worry about it because those hits are less and less and they're trying to get it out of the game. So you don't have to focus on this big safety coming down like I did at practice with Thomas Davis and Sean Jones and Terrell Beer. You don't have to worry about those guys coming down anymore uh, smacking you around because it's not allowed to. So guys don't have to worry about that. So they're more freely to run across the middle and not worry about getting hit uh, as hard as we used to get hit. Yeah, you ever go back and show some of those clips to some of the guy, young guys you work with, Thomas Davis, Greg Blue, some of your former teammates at Georgia? I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but the game has changed so much since then that, I mean, they'd put those guys in jail for some of the stuff they were doing legally on a football field, you know, back in the early 2000s. I'm sure some of the young guys that you work with, I'm sure that's a pretty eye-opening experience to see the way that, you know, uh, Blue and Davis, guys like that, used to just lay the lumber during these uh, Georgia games. Yeah, I actually felt sorry for guys defenders during the game. That's because we felt that those guys were out doing practice. Yeah, trust me, it, it wasn't a uh, pretty fight for the receivers because you know those guys was what you call some true uh, head hunters. So we had to endure that punishment in practice, and it was kind of fun actually to see them other receivers endure that type of punishment. But guys don't have to worry about that anymore. No blue. Type of player is distinct now because you can't right. do that anymore. You can't hit a guy like Blue used to hit guys and Thomas and Sean Jones and Terrell Bier and all those yeah. guys. Jermaine Phillips, man, we had a bunch of those guys yeah. back there. So, uh, man, so you don't have to worry about them anymore. I wish I could play in this area. Maybe I wouldn't have to worry about it either. I have a couple more yards on my resume. <laughs> I like to think about that. So, yesterday, uh, Mike Griffith, who always works with his Your Dog Nation, had written about and talked here on the show. But the fact that a lot of these Georgia, you know, many receivers, running backs too, have kind of gone out to California where JT Daniels calls home and they're out there. I hope they're having a good time and enjoying some of their summer, but also getting some workout in and some timing, some chemistry stuff. Uh, you know, guys that you know well, like Jermaine Burton, of course, are there. How valuable do you think that is? when these guys are able to get away from maybe the distractions of Athens and have some, some friendship time together, enjoying you know some, some hometowns and home states for some of the guys that know a little bit about California or lived there before they came to UGA, but also getting a chance to work on football. How valuable do you think that is? Oh, it's valuable. I mean, just more than football. They go out there and just enjoy each other. Uh, man, you go out, you, you can't 
that's one of the things I think we were so tired of in 2002 because we all hung together. All the receiving, uh, the host receiving core hung together. Then we hung with DJ. We hung with David Green. But now JT is bringing his guys to his environment, to his state. And that goes a long way for his leadership. And when you have a guy that's going to bring you out and they're going to throw, they're going to just eat, they're just going to uh, fellowship. It, it goes a long way once you get into the trenches and it's late. The belief that the quarterback to receiver is going to have is going to be uh, tremendous. I like the word you use there, fellowship, because something else that kind of came up in the midst of all this is, and Terrence, I won't pretend to be an expert on what's gone on over the course of the last 12 months around Georgia or the other college football programs we talk about, but I know it's been hard. I, I know there were a lot of teams that were really fatigued by the end of last year. All the COVID protocols that you had to go through, and we all understand why those existed, global pandemic, everything else, but it was just a hard thing to endure. And I think it becomes easy to assume, and, and Terrence, you know, maybe you saw this with your own you know, high school team that, that, that you coach or the, the players that you know who, who you know, you're, you're helping there as well, that that maybe you didn't feel quite as close to your teammates a year ago because everybody's masked up and everybody's socially distant. You can't, you know, you feel like you're going to get in trouble for hanging out with guys because, you know, obviously one person come in contact with somebody else, you know, you know, leads to the potential of multiple players being quarantined in the event somebody tests positive, that there was so much need for distance last year, but distance kind of creates, you know, a lack of closeness amongst the players that, you know, we've heard Georgia talk about this a lot during the spring practice that, hey, you know, close teams are successful teams. We got to bring this team close together. Uh, to me, that makes a lot of sense that whatever you can do this offseason to kind of, you know, create some fellowship to, to recreate the bonds that maybe existed for this team prior to COVID, rebuilding that after there was this necessary requirement to keep the players distant from each other. I'm guessing, Terrence, that's probably a fairly important part of this offseason right now. Oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, just speaking to a lot of those guys that, you know, you can only have, have so many guys working out together. Um, so you couldn't really never have the whole team there at the same time. You really had to do it in segments. So now with these guys being able to go out to California and, and just fellowship, like the word that I use, go out there and find their cohesiveness, go out and find their rapport, go out there and just understand how each guy would like to run around. Just just know JT haven't been the star and haven't practiced with these guys yeah. very much because he was injured. So now he has these guys the whole summer. He's the guy. Now he has to figure out each and every receiver because they're all different. He has to find out their mannerisms, when they're going to break, how they want their balls on deep balls. Does, does Justin Robson, because he's the biggest, like jump balls. Like he has to figure out these guys, and this is the first step to figuring out all his receivers are having them out in California together. All right, let me say one, uh, squeeze in one quick thing before we let you go. Georgia also adds an interesting transfer name, Brandon Turnage, former defensive back from Alabama. Not a guy that, that's played a ton, but this is like a top 100 recruit coming out of Op Oxford, Mississippi. Had a lot of SEC offers and – you know, listen, he joins a lot of other talented players in this UGA secondary, and we'll have to wait and see how this competition works out. But, Terrence, to me, there's an argument to be made that, you know, Georgia gets better by having turnage on the roster, and we'll just sort of have to wait and see how the, the battle for that playing time and those starting spots works out. What did you think of UGA adding turnage into the mix here? Well, the only thing I really know about him after doing my research is he's long, long, tall-wise, long arms and can run. So if you fix that category, yeah. I think the coaches can really use you, even if that's on special teams being a gunner. I think they would find a role for him, and he adds depth. Uh, we haven't seen him play much, but one thing I do know, 
he practiced against four first-round receivers every day. So going into that Clemson game, not saying he will be successful, but he won't be scared of the Clemson receiver because he's faced arguably probably the best receiving group in college football history. No, I think that's exactly right. I think that's a, a pretty good endorsement there for what he might have a chance to eventually do at Georgia there as well. Hey, Terrence, before we let you go, remind folks how they can get in touch. Always great training options available. Next generation of pass catchers, guys who want to do it uh, you know, and be better as wide receivers and guys catching footballs. How can they get in touch with what you're doing with your personal coaching? Uh, you can find me on all social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Terrence, thanks for your time. I really appreciate you being here today, and hope you have a great weekend. Uh, thank you so much. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff there from Terrence Edwards, the terrific former Georgia wide receiver. I, I love his analysis of turnage and kind of everything else, and that kind of former players' perspective on why getting current Georgia players together out in California where they kind of are right now, why that's also really valuable. I think that's really, really good stuff from uh, Terrence Edwards all the way around. Now, speaking of good stuff, you've heard me tell you about the Finnish Long Drink, and this is such a great beverage as we head towards the spring and summertime because it is ready to drink right out of the can. So a lot of folks doing pool parties, a lot of folks just getting ready to be, you know, patios and just really just outdoors and just enjoying life here this uh, spring, this summer. As you see on the screen, for those of you watching on the video, you got four great options of the finished long drink to enjoy here today, whether it's the original, it comes in the blue can. It's got like a citrus flavor. It's almost like a grapefruit hint, but you also have, have like the, 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 the gin flavor that kind of goes along with it. It's literally like a cocktail ready to drink coming right out of the can. A really, really great flavor. There's a cranberry version. There's a long drink zero, which obviously is you know, zero carbs, zero calories. That's a really fun thing. There's a long drink strong, which is eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Gives you a little extra kick. You like the idea of that. That comes in the black can. It is just an enjoyable thing. Great story. Um, if you go to thelongdrink.com, you can actually read the story about this. This is a, a beverage that's been popular in Finland forever. And, you know, I'm talking about going back to like the 1950s. And then you all kind of work your way, you know, up to how it arrives in the United States. And now it's kind of worked our way to Georgia. And obviously, you hear me talking about this and you, you say, well, where can I pick some up? That's the great thing is like it's actually available a lot of places now, a lot of bars in Athens. Uh, very popular there. I live kind of more in the Atlanta suburbs. Uh, you can find it around where I am there now, too. So the best thing for me to do is just tell you to go to thelongdrink.com, and you can actually find it for yourself there. Thelongdrink.com, and you can kind of figure out how you can get involved with that there and uh, enjoy some here this spring and summer. Everybody who I've introduced this to, they've all enjoyed it. They like the idea of the the liquor kick to go along with the you know the kind of you know nice flavor ready to drink right out of the can the the citrus flavor that kind of goes along with that they like the idea of that or the cranberry or whatever choice you want to make everybody that i've turned it on to has really enjoyed it so the longdrink.com and you can enjoy that for yourself here today all right sec through you don't normally hear me say good things about florida but i will say something good about florida right now and the fact that they are now out in front of some of the other sec teams and saying hey the swamp we're ready to welcome back ninety thousand fans into the swamp. Now, I actually feel sorry for that 90K. That that's the, the 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 brand of college football they're forced to endure. But let's show uh, this on. Yeah, there you go. 90K strong back in the swamp. Gators football puts there on Twitter. Since Florida's made this announcement, South Carolina has also made a similar announcement. We expect obviously Georgia to follow suit with this. Georgia obviously welcome back full crowd at Foley Field starting tonight against Ole Miss and working their way through the weekend there. So that's all going to be good. But you really get the sense that, that the world of college football is working its way back to normal, and that's a, 
a great thing to think about there. So not a lot of praise for Florida on this show, but the fact they are ready to go, full stadium, 90,000 strong there in the swamp, a good sign that everybody else is going to be doing the same thing. We uh, had not mentioned this before on uh, the show, but probably need to kind of squeeze that in just to kind of bring some closure to the story. When Major Burns, the former Georgia defensive back, announced he was entering the transfer portal, the large assumption was that he would be going back to his home state of Louisiana to play for LSU. That assumption became reality here this week. Uh, You see the graphic, once again, if you're watching on video, returning home to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, going to LSU. Burns says, let's work. This is an LSU team that has some spots to fill right now. They have lost a lot over the last couple of years, whether it be, you know, a huge collection of guys onto the NFL. They've had gigantic number of draft picks they've also had some opt-outs and some transfers some things like that so there's a lot of new faces around the lsu program it's an opportunity for burns clearly but it's also a obligation for you know the post bo pelini era there as defensive coordinator the disaster that was to kind of rebuild figure out what you have going on there i, I do kind of have lsu as an improved team this year but that's an improved team looking to lean on some new faces i guess major burns included assuming the sec kind of ends its prohibition on immediate eligibility for interconference transfers. Most of us assume they will. Obviously, Georgia, by bringing in Brandon Turnage, would seem to believe the same thing. Over in South Carolina for a moment, you may remember Marshawn Lloyd, running back that was seemingly, you know, had Georgia as you know one of the schools that were involved in his recruitment there for a while. Chooses South Carolina. It was a big recruiting win for Will Muschamp. But then Lloyd got hurt last year and really missed his first year in Columbia. Nice video put out on social media this week of Lloyd doing some cutting and some running. Looks like he's on his way back to full health there, and that's a great thing to see. I think Lloyd's a a back that I can root for, and obviously we root for everybody that's injured and looking to get on the men to get back fully healthy. The other thing I'll say about the Beamer situation here is, is that when you look around the new coaches in the SEC, you know, Beamer would seem to be the one who just doesn't have much of an identity right now, you know, compared to Josh Heupel. I don't think that Josh Heupel is going to be particularly successful at Tennessee, but he does have an identity. It's an offensive-minded coach. He's a guy that, you know, former great quarterback, kind of a quarterback-friendly head coach, and that's his identity. Brian Harson in Auburn, his identity is that here's a guy that has won a lot at that group of five Boise State level, kind of proven himself there, and now he's coming to the SEC looking to do the same thing. Shane Beamer, by comparison, just doesn't quite have the same level of credentials. Now, that doesn't mean he'll be less than a, less of as a head coach, but he just doesn't have quite the same credentials. He hasn't been a coordinator. You know, he you know he, he's a guy that that doesn't have that obvious calling card. In fact, really, the only thing we do know about him is his famous last name. Oh, uh, this is Frank Beamer's son. But boy, that only goes so far in terms of really you know demonstrating what you want to be as a head coach. So when you look at the way that, you know, prior to Beamer's arrival at South Carolina a year ago, Gamecocks actually ran the ball with Mike Bobo's offensive coordinator better than they had. Now Marshawn Lloyd potentially coming back from injury. This is a way for Beamer to maybe establish an identity for himself. As a guy who wants to play a tough brand of football there at South Carolina, run the football. Something they haven't done well, you know, prior to last year in a number of years. That's an opportunity there for Beamer, and we'll see if he's able to kind of construct an identity around that a couple of more sec through stories i want to get to we have told you about uh you know tj finley we talked about this a little bit yesterday you know hank south reporting for 247sports.com that finley potentially in the mix for alabama this is a surprising thing for me uh not something i expected us to be saying and i guess i uh, still largely assume that finley will go somewhere else 
But interesting reporting coming from 24-7 Sports that right now, Finley potentially considering uh, Alabama there. I thought this was kind of a funny video. We showed this to you yesterday in SEC Country Live. It comes from QB Country. You see two SEC quarterbacks working out together. And you see this sometimes during the offseason. But it's Harrison Bailey and Bo Nix. And the comparison that I made yesterday, if you're a Tennessee fan, do you like the idea of Bailey working out with Bo Nix? And conversely, if you're an Auburn fan, do you like the idea of Nix working out with Harrison Bailey? It's almost like, you know, when your kids are high schoolers, you say, you do, I don't want you to hang out with this guy because we think he's a bad influence on you. But the parents of the other guy are telling him the same thing about your son or daughter or whatever else. You sort of wonder, you know, Nick's and Bailey both have not had perfect starts to their college careers here. You know, which guy is going to kind of rub off on the other there. However, if you told me right now I could buy stock in one of these two, you know, Nick's the entrenched starter at Auburn, Bailey not even a guarantee to start at Tennessee, I believe I would still probably take Bailey as the guy with the higher upside in comparison to Nick's right now. And frankly, I think one of the mistakes that Heupel has made is bringing in so many transfer quarterbacks there to Knoxville when, you know, maybe just taking one of your young guys, a guy like Bailey, who was a pretty big recruiting win for Jeremy Pruitt when he got him, who put up big numbers at Marietta, you know, building your program around one of your younger quarterbacks would seem to be the better long-term play. And if you say, well, Harrison Bailey's not that guy, then choose Keaton Salter or whoever else. But just, you know, assuming that Salter comes back from suspension, of course. But at a certain point in time, just just build yourself around, you know, one of those guys. And so uh, interesting to see Knicks and Bailey working out together there. And we'll see what the outlook is for both those guys in the SEC this season. Uh, Auburn got some good news yesterday. Donovan Kaufman, former Vanderbilt safety, made his transfer announcement he chose Auburn over Texas that was the other school that was kind of thought to be in the mix for Kaufman there um making that announcement uh, uh yesterday afternoon and 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 choosing Auburn and look you know for a lot of these I mentioned the three new coaches or at least the three that we care about I won't count Clark Lee in this for a moment but between you know Harson and Beamer and Heupel they all inherit programs have a lot of open roster spots and how that transfer portal gets used during this offseason going to go a long way towards determining you know just how respectable you can be on the field here this year I would say the Coffin's a pretty good ad for Auburn there and um and obviously maybe kind of a must-get situation given the fact that he already had the connection to Derek Mason. But if it was a must-get, Auburn did end up getting it. By the way, speaking of that for Auburn, uh, they also got other transfer news in the hardwood, as you're probably aware. Katie Johnson, the former Georgia player, has now landed at Auburn there as well. So for the second time this week, Georgia fans forced to endure one of their players leaving to go somewhere else in the SEC. It was Severe Wheeler going to Kentucky earlier. It's Katie Johnson going to Auburn right now. And you know, listen, the, the transfer portal in basketball is just a disaster. There are, you know, 1,500 names or however many are there in that portal. And obviously, Georgia's kind of, you know, dealing with the, you know, the wrong end of that right now. But we'll see what Georgia's able to add to replace so much of what they lost here this offseason. Let me also really quickly, before we wrap things up today, give a quick shout out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, proud partners of UGA, good friends of ours at Dog Nation Daily for your foundation waterproofing needs. They're the ones to turn to. They are a solutions-based company, and they can solve your problem. Two full-time engineers on staff. Very easy to get in touch with for all your foundation waterproofing needs. Just simply give them a call, 678-ESOG-NOW. That number, once again, 678-ESOG-NOW for Engineered Solutions of Georgia. 
And as we wrap up here today, we like to do our Gator Hater Roll Call. We give out our golden shoe for great Gator haters or just good Georgia fans or really some days it's just sort of whatever we feel like making it be. You may remember a couple of weeks ago we honored uh, Tennille Calvino, one of our Facebook viewers, because on Facebook you have this top fan status. And Facebook gives it, Facebook takes it away. Nobody really knows how or why you earn top fan status. But Tennille wanted to make it a little bit more, I guess, substantial. So she had top fan Dog Nation hats made up, and she's been giving them out to some of our other Facebook folks. Well, one of those uh, Facebook folks, uh, Jermaine King, actually got his Dog Nation top fan badge hat. Now, this is something that, this is not an actual official thing from Dog Nation, this is what Tennille had made up, but Jermaine says, I just got my hat, hopefully the Facebook police won't show up at my door and take it from me. Very fun stuff from Jermaine, you are our golden shoe winner for today. How about goal, How about a Gator Hater countdown, 163 days from right now. Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a winner of those lousy, stinking Gators. Have a good day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, R.S. Andrews is the one you can turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price that's promised. They'll take really good care of you today. Get that air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. Boy, that's an important thing this time of year. And they will do it right for you. Everybody wants to stay cool, especially me. I'm a big guy. I like staying cool. So air conditioning will help you do that. And R.S. Andrews will help you air conditioning. So find them online at rsandrews.com. A couple of interesting comments I want to read. And, of course, I love your participation. When you send good comments in, it makes this portion of the show so much more fun. So hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily or in the comments section at DogNation.com. And we'll just have a good time and kind of share some stuff back and forth here. I like this from Mike, 1975, in our Facebook, I should say our comment section at dognation.com. Mike says, when a player transfers, the receiving school should reimburse the old school some of their cost. I think that's kind of interesting. And you may say, well, that's not you know appropriate necessarily. But there is obviously a huge investment made in a school when any player that signs there, and if he leaves and goes somewhere else, then to a degree that ends up feeling like a little bit of a wasted investment. But the thing that kind of gets me thinking is, and I'm not like 100% sure how all this works. Some of you probably know more about this than I do. But in professional sports, there are a lot of accommodations made for players leaving organizations. You know, the NFL has compensatory draft picks. And like I said, I'm not 100% sure how, how some of that kind of stuff is figured out. You know, they always kind of announce – you know, who gets compensatory picks and kind of, you know, where they go. And when it comes to the minutiae of certain aspects of the rules, that's probably just, you know, a little deeper than I'm willing to go and some of that kind of stuff. Baseball definitely has some of that kind of stuff. When you lose a player via free agency, you get, I think they're called, is it called sandwich picks? Is that what that's called? When you, um, you know, get a, you know, 31, 30, you know, 30 something pick for a, you know, a, you know, as compensation for a free agent that you lose. I think it's called a sandwich pick. I think um, I may be slightly wrong on that. Like I said before, I you know, sometimes the minutia of various rules is kind of lost on me. But there is some consideration for losing a player off your roster that when it comes to, you know, college football, college sports, you want to bring the basketball part of this in there as, as well, that somehow making some sort of accommodation for player, you know, for rosters that, that – lose a lot of players might be worth kind of thinking about here you know just you know, in simple terms you know let's say that you have you know a dozen players transfer off your roster well 
as it stands right now, you know, the the signing day limits, you know, you still have the, the 25 initial counter rule and things like that, that, you know, there's a way to lose players faster than you're able to able to bring them in. And you can always be, you know, at least there's at least a possibility that you could always be playing some version of catch up just to try to get enough of enough players to kind of say you have a full roster. And so I don't know that Mike 1975's idea of, you know, you reimburse money for players that leave. I don't know if, if that's where this is all going, but somehow, some way, some attempt to make these programs whole who, you know, lose more players than others, you know, that may be something you have to consider here. I mean, all of this is kind of a grand experiment. You take this entity, college sports, that people love, millions of people love and have loved for you know more than a century, 150 years in the case of college football, and you basically just sort of experiment with it on the fly. That is not necessarily a great way to kind of go about doing your business there. And so you know, eventually having to figure out how to try to put this toothpaste back in the tube, that may be something you initially you eventually have to do. And I think that Mike 1975 is kind of on to something interesting when he says that. Navy Dog with a nice post here at DogNation.com saying happy birthday yesterday to my precious daughter, he says, and to Mike Griffith sharing birthday. Navy Dog says he was also his birthday there as well. So, Navy Dog, happy birthday to you. That's an awesome thing to be able to hear. And uh, truly, uh, happy birthday uh, to you and to all of you who share kind of special days with us here around Dog Nation and on Dog Nation Daily. I'm always really happy for that. On Twitter, Mad Dog weighs in to say that – we do SEC Country Live every Wednesday. He says, I enjoy SEC Country Live, but he misses Mike Johnson. For those of you who maybe remember a previous iteration of that show years ago, I did have a co-host, Mike Johnson, the great former Alabama All-American. Mike's been a frequent guest of us on Dog Nation Daily uh, a few times over the years. We bring him on regularly, and I miss Mike there as well. Mike's coaching. Mike's doing a bunch of stuff these days, so getting him on the show, not an easy thing to do anymore. Uh, in fact, when you know he's done the show with with me here on dog nation daily we've had to jump through a bunch of hoops just to kind of work around his schedule so he's very busy does a lot of things but man i, I do miss him as a part of that show there as well um uh william perry by the way was the winner of yesterday's golden shoe he also weighs in on twitter to say that wednesdays are usually the only day i get to watch live each week because i have to work i uh, usually have a work meeting to the show he says so i wouldn't what you know i won my first golden shoe in a day i wasn't listening live he says uh, you he says uh, yes. So either either way, William, I'm glad to know that you uh, are jumping in there to uh, win that golden shoe. Fun stuff all the way around, and I appreciate the audience continuing to make the show so much fun for me to do each and every day. And hopefully, we're doing a good job of keeping you entertained and making it fun for you to do there as well. All right, we'll wrap up here today for our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. But just do me a favor, R.S. Andrews are good people. Dari and the whole team over there, they do really good work for people who are you know the big systems in your house, like your air conditioning or your or your electrical system or your plumbing or whatever else, they know how to handle all that kind of stuff. So if you're facing a need, check them out, rsandrews.com. Hope all of you have a great day. I'll look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and we will talk to you then.